Open up your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 13. I should, uh, I'm going to do this real quick. Hope I'm not going to mess you up, Michael. I want to show you all what, nope, not that. They shouldn't let old people run computers. I'm going to show you all what Brother Jeff sent me. So I told you that we were using his information this morning. All right, here we go. That's what I got from Brother Jeff. And so I've tried to turn that into something usable for you all. And uh, so that's, that's what we're doing tonight. So this passage of Scripture allows us to put six of our Bible study principles to the test. It allows us to put six of our Bible study principles to the test. And they are the principle of time words, day of the Lord, those days. We saw those in the text. The principle of events. The events that we looked at this morning were the day of the Lord, the tribulation period. The predictive principle, the specific details of the tribulation period. We looked at those. Tonight we're going to look at the principle of places and the principle of words, that principle of repetition that we've talked about. So on this principle of places, God does not use place names arbitrarily. When God tells you a certain nation is going to do something, then then many times the name of that place has a specific meaning. Or if you just look at the map and you see the direction uh, from which they're going to come or enter into the into the land, it makes a big difference. So look with me at verse 19. Isaiah chapter 13 and verse 19. And Babylon, is that a place? Yes. And Babylon, the glory of kingdoms, the beauty of the Chaldees' excellency, shall be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, so this is a prediction, right? Is this a prediction from man's perspective of something good or something bad? Yeah. I mean, there's not going to be anything left. Nothing. It's not like when you go into a war-torn country where the city appears to be uh, damaged. No, no. It's going to be desolate. Nothing there. And so what is this speaking of? Well, this is speaking of Babylon. So Babylon in the Bible, it's very interesting. Babylon is a city. It's a city. It's an empire, the Babylonian empire. But it's also a mystery religion. And what God predicts for Babylon applies to all of the above. So keep your place here in in Isaiah, and let's go to Revelation 17. Going to see a couple of the things that we talked about this morning. Revelation chapter 17, and look at verse 1. And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. Now, don't forget, I will show thee. Remember the T's, thee and thou, those are singular. The, the Y words, ye and you, are plural. So this is something he's going to show John. He wanted John specifically to see it so that he could write about it. So in the middle of verse 1, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication. 
And the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. So this Babylon, this mystery Babylon that is yet to come, is a religion, but it's a religion that is made up of adultery, made up of fornication, and that is a marriage of Christianity, pagan religion, and government. Christianity, pagan religion, and government. And we know that that was established around 300 years ago in Rome. That's where it started, and it was the Babylonian mystery religion. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it today, but go to uh, Revelation chapter 2. Look at verse 12. And to the angel of the church in Pergamos write. Now, remember, we talked about these seven periods of church history a couple of weeks ago. Now, you're not allowed to bring that boy in and distract me like this. I mean, look at Ben back there. That's fantastic. I love that. So if you remember, we looked a couple of weeks ago at um, these seven periods of church history, how Ephesus is from the apostles through about 200 AD. Then uh, Smyrna is from 200 to 325. This Pergamus is from 325 to about 500. Thyatira from 500 to 1000. Sardis from 1000 to 1500. Uh, Philadelphia from about 1500 through 1881, and then uh, Laodicea is from 1881 until the Lord returns. That's that's a basic overview of, of the periods of church history, and we looked at that a few weeks ago. But with this mystery Babylon, look at, look at verse 12, and to the angel of the church in Pergamos write, these things saith he which hath the sharp sword with two edges, so that's Jesus, and that word that comes out of his mouth, it's, that's the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So what, what Jesus is saying that this church at Pergamos needs is they need the Bible. They need the Bible to judge their motives. They need the Bible to, to pierce their hearts. That's what this church needed. And Jesus goes on and says in verse 13, I know thy works and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is. Now remember, Satan has locality. Satan, yes, he's a spirit, but he's not omnipresent. He can only be in one place at a time. And the Bible says that Pergamos is where Satan was. Can you imagine ministering in Satan's seat, where Satan lives? And remember, what's repetition in the Bible? Okay, so verse 13 again, I know thy works and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is, and thou holdest fast my name and hast not denied my faith, even in those days wherein Antipas, my faithful martyr, who was slain among you, where Satan dwelleth. So God wants us to know that Pergamos is where Satan is. And what happened was this, this Babylonian mystery religion that had existed ever since the time of Nimrod, so Genesis chapter 11, Tower of Babel, Babel, Babylon, 
This is where Mystery Babylon is located, and that, that mystery religion continued. Well, the head of the, that religion was a man named Attalus III. And when Rome conquered Babylon, he came to Pergamos and brought that mystery religion to Pergamos. It's during this time that that false religion was married to Christianity, and now we have long black-robed priests in churches. That the, uh, the sacrificial system of the Eucharist is exactly what was brought through from this Babylonian mystery religion. Tammuz, the mother god, Nimrod the baby. Nimrod was supposed to have been uh, born without a father. And they worshiped Tammuz, the, the holy mother. That's where those things came from. There were fertility rituals in this, and that's where the Easter bunny stuff came from. They would burn Yule logs, and that's how that came into Christianity and things like that. So a lot of these pagan rituals that were brought into Christianity, it was an, it, it was an, an immoral marriage of Christianity, pagan religion, and then the Roman Empire. That's Mystery Babylon. And never forget that the when you look at the image in the book of Daniel, and it breaks down the kingdoms, the legs of iron, there are two legs, that's the Roman Empire. There were two, two legs of the Roman Empire. You had the Western Empire, which was based in Rome. You had the Eastern Empire that was based in Constantinople. The Roman Empire ended in the late 400s AD. The Ottoman Empire didn't, I'm sorry, the Byzantine Empire didn't end until 50, 1453. And it continued on. The religion continued on in the Eastern Orthodox Church. Roman Catholic Church in the West, Eastern Orthodox Church in the East. They split in 1054 in the Great Schism. So that continues down, and that is the system that is all going to come back together. It's going to be revived in the tribulation period, and they're going to unite with all of the world religions. And that is what is being described. So in Isaiah chapter 53, the place that's being described, it's a very specific place. And the desolation is going to come from it. Look at Revelation chapter 18. Verse 1, And after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils, and the hold of every foul spirit, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. So what we have, look at these words that we looked at this morning. We have nations, and those nations are going to be gathered together. The kings of the earth, and that's all going to happen during the tribulation. That's an event, and it's a specific place. What is the place? Well, it's the same place that that image was set up in the book of Daniel, the plains of Shinar. It's the same place that the in the book of Zechariah, when those two storks 
these demonic beings come and they take the ephah, the ephah that's full, it's a basket that's full of fornication and abominations, and they fly that and they set it on its base in the plains of Shinar. What's the first thing that was built in the plains of Shinar? The Tower of Babel. It's that spot where all of this is going to happen. So when we start understanding these place names in the Bible, they are vital, they're important, and you'll see it flow through. Remember, the Bible is the tale of two cities, the city of Jerusalem, the city of God, it's mentioned 300 times, and the city of Satan, Babylon, it's mentioned 280 times. It really is a tale of two cities, but one wins. Amen? One is exalted above the other. Now, let's look at the principle of words. Go back to, oh, I want you to see one other thing back in, uh, before we move on to this next principle. Go back to Isaiah chapter 13. So verse 19, Babylon, the glory of kingdoms and the beauty of the Chaldees. They're going to be overthrown. It shall never be inhabited again. But now look at verse 21. But wild beasts of the desert shall lie there and their houses shall be full of doleful creatures and owls shall dwell there and satyrs shall dance there. What is what does the Bible say in the book of Revelation? It's going to be a place of foul and unclean spirits. It's exactly what's going on. These hybrids and things that you see through the scriptures, whether it's Leviathan or other things, these satyrs, it, it's going to be a pretty filthy place. And of course, God ultimately destroys it. Look at what it says in verse 22. And the wild beasts of the islands shall cry in their desolate houses and the dragons in their pleasant palaces. What do you think that's talking about? Do you know what I think it's talking about? Dragons and pleasant palaces. So you're going to have demonic beings, these mighty men. Remember Genesis chapter 6? Let's go back. Genesis chapter 6. Keep the place in Isaiah. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 6. So I preached, Dalton and I preached for a guy in Texas, really a good, good guy. Um, but, you know, he's really doesn't know anything about this kind of stuff. And uh, so Chad Coburn, you teens remember Brother Chad? He preached at camp not too long ago, year, year before last, or was it last year? Just last year? So he went to a meeting with these guys, and somehow my name came up. And this other pastor said, I love to hear Brother Jim preach, but he's got some weird ideas. And so Chad asked him, what weird ideas? He said, giants and things like that. And let, let's see how weird it is. Genesis chapter 6. The Bible says in verse... Let's look at verse 3. And the Lord said, or verse 1... And it came to pass when, so just so you know what was happening, I'm really not having a stroke. I'm just used to it in my old Bible. I couldn't find it on the page in the Bible that have has a font big enough for me to actually see. So that, that's what was happening. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man for that he also is flesh. 
Yet his days shall be in 120 years. There were giants in the earth in those days. Huh, I wonder where I got that weird idea that there were giants. Wonder where, that's, that's weird. Where would, that's weird. Who would believe that? There were, there were, is there anything saying something like, and there were men who, who were as giants or who seemed like giants? Is that what it says or it says giants? There were giants in the earth in those days and also after that. Oh, what do you see in that text? Any, anything from this morning that you see right there? Those days. What are you supposed to look for when you see those days? The tribulation. The tribulation. There were giants in the earth in those days and also after that when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men and they bare children to them, the same became... Did we look at those two words this morning? What's it say? Young people, what's it say right there? What are those next two words? Good night. What happened to this? This is the loudest creatures on the face of the earth. And this is what I get at church. What's it say, guys? We're going to be here all night. What's it say right there? Okay, mighty men, which were of old, men of renown. Mighty men. Bring down your mighty men. From where? Where are you going to bring mighty men down? Where are they? See, this is all going to happen again. These satyrs will be living there. These mighty men are going to come. The Bible talks about men that look like horses and all of this. It's crazy if you actually believe what it says. And I believe what it says. That's the description of that place. That's what's going to happen. Daniel chapter 2. Go to Daniel chapter 2. So look with me at verse 2. Sorry, I need to find it in my old Bible. All right, look at verse 42. So describing this image, Daniel chapter 2, and as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. So notice it's talking about elements. It's talking about the feet of this image made up of clay and iron. And and so now look at what it says in verse 43. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, look at the change of pronoun. They shall mingle themselves with the seed of men But they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. And in the days of these things shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. So this is Jesus Christ coming back. And when does this happen? Verse 45. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountains without hands, and that's Jesus, 
and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold. That's all the kingdoms. The great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass when. Is that a time word? Guys, is that a time word? Hereafter. And the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof is sure. When, when is this going to happen? So there's iron mixed with clay. Jesus comes down and destroys it. When does all of that happen? Well, it's going to come to pass hereafter. Go to Revelation chapter 4. When they shall mingle their seed with the seed of men. Just like happened in Genesis chapter 6. When is that going to happen? Revelation chapter 4. After this, I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. Remember what our divisions are. You have... Uh, Revelation one nineteen says, Write the things which thou hast seen, chapter 1, the things which are, that's chapters 2 and 3, and the things which shall be, what? Hereafter. All right? Chapter 4, verse 1. After this, after what? Look at the last verse of, 20, of uh, chapter 3. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. So after this, after the church age, when the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, after this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the trump of God and the voice of the archangel. Does that tie together with this? Saying, come up, which said, come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. The hereafter is what is described in Isaiah chapter 13. And what's going to happen? Go back to Isaiah 13. This, this Babylon is going to rise up again. This, the, there's going to be a new Babylon. It's going to be destroyed. And during the middle of it, there's, it's going to be housed with all of these creatures, and ultimately God is going to destroy it. So the Bible describes exactly what is coming, every bit of it. So that is, that is the predictive principle, and then the, the, the principle of places, all of that is vital. Okay, now let's look at the words that are used. So look at verse 1 of chapter 13, the burden of Babylon which Isaiah the son of Amos did see, the burden of Babylon. So Babylon is going to have a burden put on it. It's going to be a bummer for Babylon. That's what's coming. But here's what's interesting. That's not the only burden that God gives the prophet Isaiah. Look at chapter 15 and verse 1. <clears throat> the burden of Moab. You see that? Okay, now what I want you to do real quick Turn to um, Joel, hold your place here, but get Joel chapter 3. I want you to have Joel chapter 3. So what we see here, you had the burden 
of Babylon in chapter 13. Chapter 15, the burden of Moab. Look at chapter 17, verse 1. The burden of Damascus. Behold, Damascus is taken away from being a city, and it shall be a ruinous heap. How about that? The burden of Damascus. Go to chapter 19 and verse 1. The burden of Egypt. The burden of Egypt. Are these places? Right? The burden of Egypt. Look at verse chapter 21 and verse 1. The burden of the desert of the sea. The burden of the desert of the sea. Now, when I flew from London to Ghana, I flew over the desert, and it's unbelievable. So the whole, that whole part of a continent is desert. And when you see it from an airplane, it looks like an ocean of sand. That's, that's what it looks like. It's an amazing thing. But this is a specific portion of it. So look at verse 11. So the burden of the desert of the sea, verse 11. The burden of Duma. He calleth to me out of the night, seer, watchman. What of the night? Watchman, what of the night? What is that talking about? Verse 13, the burden of Arabia. The burden of Arabia. So the desert of the sea, Duma, Arabia. This is talking about one spot. Then look at chapter 22, verse 1. The burden of the valley of the vision. The burden of the valley of vision. Now look at chapter 23 and verse 1. The burden of Tyre. The burden of Tyre. How ye ships of Tarshish, for it is laid waste, so that there is no house, no entering in from the land of Chittim, is, it is revealed to them. Okay? So, what is being spoken of with this? Go with me to... Go to Joel... Chapter 3, I told you to mark this this morning. Verse 11, remember verse 10, beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. Verse 11, assemble yourselves and come, all ye heathen, and gather yourselves together. Remember these two words I told you to mark, roundabout, roundabout. Well, let's see if there's anything more about this, this burden. Go to Luke chapter 19. So we've looked at all of these places. We have these two words roundabout. Let's see how it all ties together. Luke chapter 19. <clears throat> Verse 41. And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, If thou hadst known, even thou, at least in this, what's it say? Thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. Why? Because they missed their day. For the days shall come, that's predictive principle, shall come upon thee that thine enemies shall cast a trench, what does it say? About thee, and compass thee round and keep thee in on every side, a compass around them, round about. And shall lay thee even with the ground, and thy children within thee. And they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. What was the time of the visitation? That was the triumphal entry. God had told them the exact day that he was coming. They didn't believe him. They missed their day. Now blindness has happened unto them, and now they're going to be destroyed. <clears throat> A mistake that people make is they believe that, that, the, that Titus, when he 
surrounded the city and destroyed the city in AD 70, that the Roman general, that when he did that, that that was the fulfillment of this. There are still stones on top of each other. I've been there. I went in the Kotel Tunnel. You've seen the Western Wall, the Wailing Wall. You've seen pictures of it. I went there, and I went in the Kotel Tunnel. That's the, the tunnel underneath the Western Wall. And you could go down there. We, we saw Hezekiah's tunnel, and we saw all kinds of things underneath the ground, all of these stones. And these stones are massive. You can't imagine how large these stones are and the way that they fit. It's amazing. But can I tell you something? I'm not an engineer. I'm not even a civil engineer. I'm not an engineer. But I know when one stone is on top of another. I can figure that out. This prophecy hasn't been fulfilled yet. I can't imagine what Jerusalem is going to look like by the time the tribulation is over. Uh, well, two-thirds of the people will be dead. But I, I, I can't imagine what it's going to look like. But Jesus prophesied that's what's going to happen, and they're going to surround them round about. Look at Luke chapter 21 and verse 20. What's repetition in the Bible? Okay. And when you shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, so that's surrounded, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. Then let them flee to the mountains, and let them which are in the midst of, of it depart out. And let them not, or let not them that are in the countries enter thereinto. For these be the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. These are the days of vengeance. What days of vengeance? Hold your place here. Go back to Isaiah chapter 61. Verse 2, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And if you remember, that's where Jesus Christ closed the book when he was reading in the synagogue at the beginning of his ministry. He, he came, he said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. And he read that passage and he said, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. But he stopped. Chapter 20, that's Luke chapter 4. Here in Luke chapter 21, he says, in, in, so back in Isaiah 61, to proclaim, verse 2, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all that mourn? The day of vengeance of our God? To comfort them that mourn. Back to, back to Luke 21, verse 20. When you shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. Verse 22, for these be the days of vengeance that all things which are written may be fulfilled. They're written in Isaiah 21, Isaiah 61. But woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck. When? For there shall be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles. Oh, wait a minute. Didn't we just reference this? Until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. That's going to end it. That's going to end it. Let's keep going. Look at Zechariah chapter 12. This word, burden. The burden of, what are we looking at? The burden of Babylon. The burden of Moab. The burden of, of Tyre. 
the burden of Damascus, the burden of, of Egypt, <clears throat> Zechariah. Chapter 12, verse 1. The burden of the word of the Lord for Israel, saith the Lord. Now, it doesn't say the burden of Israel, the burden for Israel. You see that? Which stretcheth forth the heaven. This is the Lord, which stretcheth forth the heavens and layeth the foundation of the earth and formeth the spirit of man within him. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all the people round about when they shall be in siege both against Judah and against Jerusalem. All right, remember the burden. What is the burden of these nations? Verse 3. And in, is there a time word right there, time phrase? What's it say? In that day will I make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people. And all that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces, though all the people of the earth be gathered against gathered together against it. In that day, saith the Lord, I will smite every horse with astonishment and his rider with madness. <clears throat> and I will open mine eyes upon the house of Judah and will smite every horse of the people with blindness. So this burden, the burden of those nations is Israel. When? When is that nation going to be a burdensome stone? When they can pass the city. When they can pass Jerusalem, round about. Now, notice what we have here. Now, I know that the, that the font is small, <clears throat> but I want you all to see something. If you look at the bottom right, you see the green right there, that's Judah. The pink is Israel. Just to the right of Judah is Moab. There at the bottom left is Egypt. If you go up to the right... That's the eastern desert, the, the, the desert of the sea. If you go up to the top, to the left, right where the, the white goes into the blue, you see Tyre. So what has happened is all of these cities are given in order, and they are surrounding, compassing, roundabout the nation of Israel. When they do that, all to, now all of them have tried to attack at one time or another. But when they all do it together at one time, they're doing it because God has drawn them there. And he's going to plead with them. Look at Zechariah chapter 14, verse 1. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoil shall be divided within the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. Verse 3. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives. It's going to be cleaved in two. And he's going to march his way into Jerusalem. And that city is going to be lifted above the mountains. And a healing stream is going to flow out from the temple, from beneath the throne of Jesus Christ. Places, people, places. It is vital that we understand that when the Bible gives us these specific words, these specific details, every one of them matters. And isn't it fun to find one chapter of the Bible that connects all of those things together? Amen? Well, thank you for listening. That was a lot of detail tonight on a Sunday night, and some of you look like you haven't had your nap yet. Well, thank you for coming. I appreciate it. Let's all stand together. <clears throat> Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for your word. 
And as the, the hymn writer says, when this poor lisping, stammering tongue lies silent in the grave, what are we going to do? We're going to sing your power to save. Lord, I wish I had a better ability to explain these things, but your book is amazing.